Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's message. Thank you, Double D. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, I know you're probably disappointed. It's not Greg standing here, but bear with me just a few minutes. I won't take very much of your time. And I tell people all the time, uh, there's about... I think I can count on one hand how many preachers can keep my attention longer than 15 minutes. I, I'm, uh, my attention span is about that long. I mean, honestly, I didn't, I didn't know this when I was a kid, but since we've got kids and we've done some research and all that, I'm probably really ADD and dyslexic, and, uh, which really means I'm probably in a hurry to do things backwards. But uh, uh, I, I do have an attention span about this short, and so they ain't but about one or two, three or four, maybe five preachers that have ever been able to keep my attention longer than 15 minutes. And to save your worry, I'm not one of them. So uh, I'm going to do my best to get you out of here as quick as possible. Uh, you may get early lunch this afternoon. I don't know. But uh, I'm excited about the word that God has placed on my heart. If you don't know me, I'm Corey Snelson. My wife's Clarissa. Uh, we do attend church here. Many of you don't know that probably. But uh, we do attend church here. We're very, uh, we're Wednesday nighters, I guess you would say. We, we are lucky and, and uh, blessed to be able to uh, uh, we have what's called 1921 Ministries. We get to travel uh, every, just about every week, especially from about the end of February till now. Uh, we're on the road every weekend somewhere at a rodeo doing church, uh, doing ministry of some sort. And uh, so it's been a lot of fun. It's been a big blessing. And uh, it's, it's been great to be able to do that. But with that being said, we don't get to be here much on Sunday. Uh, we are here pretty much every Wednesday, but we do get to step in a Sunday from, from time to time. And we'll be here a lot of Sundays from now till February. This is our slow time. Uh, we have added some things this winter, but uh, we will be here quite a bit more. So if you, don't know, if you don't know us, come see us. We'd love to meet you. I mean, we are part of your church family. We just don't see you as much as some of the others. And uh, uh, we love to get to know each and every, everybody that's around and I uh, thank you for that. If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to jump in the Old Testament today and uh, talk about a pretty, uh, I don't know if you'd say a rocky subject, maybe a, a, a story in the Bible may not be the, the most G-rated story, but we're going to bust it open this morning and uh, get into it today. And uh, I think God really wants to, I hope, I hope he can speak through me like he's been speaking to me this week as I've been thinking about it and praying about it. And I do want to publicly, I know he's not here, but I want to thank Pastor Greg for having faith and uh, confidence in me to turn me loose while he's gone. And uh, we'll be praying for them as well. But 2 Samuel chapter 12, I want to actually, I'm going to paraphrase for you chapter 11 right quick. I'm not going to bore you uh, with reading it this morning, but I'm going to kind of paraphrase it for you. This isn't even going to be New Living Translation paraphrase. It's probably going to be White County, Arkansas. But we're going to do the best that we can. If you got time this afternoon, go back and read it yourself. It is a, it is a great story. It is very compelling. Many of you probably know it. There may be someone here that's never even heard of it. it Maybe it's the first time. If it is, go back and read chapter 11 and uh, let God speak to you through it. And so we're just going to paraphrase it today so it'll make a little bit more sense about what we're about to jump into here in chapter 12. But here's King David. Many of you have heard of King David. He's the one that fought Goliath back in the day. And uh, he is, the, the Bible talks about him being a man after God's own heart. And he, he was a very uh, great king. He'd done the very best that he could to serve God. But how do many of you know that even when we're doing our very best, if we're not careful, we find ourselves and we'll run off in a ditch if we're not careful. And that's what happened to David. You see, David found himself uh, uh, in a palace one day, and he's up on the roof just carrying on, doing whatever he was doing, having a good time, doing king things. And he happened to look over the edge of the palace, and there was a lady taking a shower and taking a bath. And David was like, oh, boy, that's a good-looking gal right there. 
And so David decided, you know, he already had like seven or eight wives, so he decided, what, what, what could one more hurt? So he, he gets this lady, comes in, has a relationship with her. What happens? Her husband is off at war. Uh, this is a married lady. She's all, he's off at war fighting battles, trying to keep the kingdom up. And what, and, but, but David, he can't help himself, so he has to have her. She comes in. The next thing you know, she comes back pregnant. And David says, uh-oh, what am I going to do? How many times do we know that whenever we find ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time or when we're doing things we shouldn't, want, we shouldn't be doing, we're going to try to cover it up. We're going to try to get things. We're going to try to make it happen. So David says, here's what I'll do. I'll call in her husband. He'll come in. He'll go, he'll go to his wife and spend some time with her, and, and they'll think it's his baby and everything's going to be all right. Well, the problem was this guy comes home, and he didn't want, he, he didn't want, to, he didn't want to go home to his wife. He made this statement. He said, hey, all my friends or in battle right now, how can I go to my wife? So David winds up, he can't get him to go home, so he just says, I tell you what, send him, he tells his guys, he says, hey, send him back to battle, put him on the front lines and get him killed. And so that's what happens. They send him back, they goes to the front line and he dies. And so David takes, he lets his wife mourn, he brings her in and takes her in as his own and covers up the plan, so he thinks. Now we're going to pick up in, in verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, The Lord sent Nathan to David, and Nathan is a prophet. And he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which, which he had brought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, and as, and, and as the, Lord lives the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing. And because he had no pity, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Let's pray. Father, I come before you today, God. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to gather with great people in your house and to worship. Lord, we're thankful for the Holy Spirit that's been so real and strong in this place today. Lord, through the worship today, God, we're, thanking, we're thankful for the presence of your Spirit that we feel right now. God, we're thankful for your Word this morning as we open it up, as we break it open today, God. Lord, I'm thankful that you promised that you'll minister to us, that you'll strengthen us. God, I'm thankful today as we've gathered in this place, your Word promises where two or three of us are gathered together in your name that you'll be in our midst and God there's way more than that gathered in this place today and God we're standing on that promise this morning believing that your word is going to be real that your Holy Spirit is going to speak to us and minister to us and be real to us today in so many ways we thank you for that Father we want to lift up our pastor and his family to you today God I pray your hand be upon them Lord it's our prayer that they are having the time of their life right now God and that you're just strengthening their family that you're working through them and ministering them today God I pray Lord we thank you for what's about to happen in this place Lord we don't believe we don't want one of us to leave this place the same way that we came in. But God, we pray that we're changed under the power of your glory. And we're going to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as, as Nathan looks at David, he says, hey, you're the man. What happened here? What's going on? You see, David finds himself in a place where he was not supposed to be. If we would go back and read there in the first of chapter 11, it says it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. And David sent Joab, his servant, with him and all Israel and destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. It said when all the kings go out to battle. Well, David decided this time he's not going to go out to battle. He's going to hang back and do his own thing and do whatever he wanted to do. And he finds himself, as we would think a lot of 
sometimes in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, I'm not talking about an accidental wrong place at the wrong time. He put himself in a place he shouldn't have been. He should have been out to battle with everybody else. He should have been where he was at. A lot of times in life, if we're not careful, we find ourselves in places that we shouldn't be. We know we shouldn't be there. We know that's not what God's plan is for our life. We know that's not what he has for us, or that's not a situation or a crowd we need to be running with, but we put ourselves there anyway. And uh, so we have to be careful wherever we find ourselves. You know, if we constantly put ourselves in the wrong place, in the wrong spot, then there's going to happen that sin's going to have to come in. Sin's going to creep into our lives. We're going to allow it there. We're going to put ourselves in places that we, and things that are going to happen in our life that shouldn't actually happen. You know, but the Bible says, as I said a while ago, David was a man after God's own heart. So we have to be real careful in our own lives when we say, hey, it can't happen to me. You know, there wasn't a greater guy in the kingdom of God at that time than David. I mean, God brags on him, calls him the apple of his eye. Says he's a man after his own heart, but he gets himself in a predicament that he couldn't get out of. Many of you heard the old saying that, that sin will take you there, take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, all that kind of stuff, leave you there longer than you want to. That's what happens a lot of times if we're not careful. Now, I want to challenge you today. If you're married and in this room, be careful when you go to work tomorrow how close you allow yourself to get to the opposite sex. Be careful. You know, you say, well, I'm, I love my wife. I love my husband. There's nothing I can ever do. I've, I've known people personally that have found themselves in a ditch because it, it started out simple. It started out easy. Now, ma'am, listen. If your husband's busy all the time, don't listen to that knothead at work. That's talking about that's talking about how 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 you are and all that kind of stuff and smoothing it. Don't don't listen to that garbage, sir. If you're around all the time, if you're gone, if you've got to work, if you've got a lot happening, when you get home, you better take care of that lady at home. That's washing your clothes and cooking your supper, and tending to your kids. We have to be careful. We have to find. We have to intentionally put ourselves in the place that keeps us out of trouble. Not let us get. And here's the thing that happens a lot of times in sin. Sin's like a cancer or something that gets into us and gets inside of us, and it starts off small. I can assure you no affair was ever there. No alcoholic was ever thought when they started their first drink, hey, I'm going to go all in. Nobody ever thought that. Nobody ever found, nobody ever that is completely and totally wrapped up and drowned by sin started out saying, hey, I'm fixing to wreck myself. Nobody, I'm not saying nobody, there are some people that just go into it with that intention, but most of the time, it starts off small, and as time grows on, it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Here, David, he had a little lust problem there. Then he began to feed it. When he began to feed it, he realized, hey, I've got myself in a pickle. I'm about to be in trouble. So it goes from not only a lust problem to an adultery problem, and it winds up in murder. You say, well, he didn't shoot the guy. No, but he had him killed. It, it, God looks at it the same. He, it was murdered just as well. He finds himself, here he is, the man after God's own heart. And he finds himself in a murder case. You know the cool part about it is, though? God don't leave us there. God don't leave us there. If we go on, it says, and I like what happened. But here's what's got to take place. Here's what happens. When, David come, when, when Nathan came to God, when Nathan came to David, and he says, hey, you're the man. You know what? Nathan didn't do like you and I would do. He wouldn't do like we do in our society today. But he would have said, but Nathan, you don't understand. She, she was so pretty and everything's on her. You know, I've sat around Christian people that come up with all the excuses in the world. I heard a woman one time, she was talking about this man, and she had feelings for him, and she couldn't stop him. And you know what she said? She said, well, it's, it's really not my fault. He must have a, a sexual spirit in him. 
I've heard women talk about their husband and going on and this and that. Well, my husband lusts after this lady. And they say, well, honey, it's really not his fault. She just got a Jezebel spirit. No, we better own our own, we better own our own sin. If we want to see God take place, if we want to see God do something in our life, we have to own it. You know, a lot of people say, well, I, you know, I, I struggle with alcohol, but it, it, the alcoholism is a disease. Yeah, but you fed it. You made that point. You made that conscious decision to take that drink. You made that conscious decision to take that hit. We have to learn. We have to come to a point in our life where we own our own deeds. And that's what David does when he comes to him. And he says, he says, you're the man. And Nathan goes on, or David goes on in verse 13. And he says, so Nathan, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You know, during this time, David wrote the 51st Psalm. Psalm 51, chapter 1 through 4, or verse 1 through 4, David says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. He goes on, he says, in, in verse 10, he says, Create in, my, in me a clean heart, O God, and renew my steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, he comes on, he says, God, I failed. I messed this thing up. Lord, I ruined it. But he goes on, and you know, this, is, this, this passage of Scripture, this, these two chapters, is one of the, the most beautiful pictures of God's grace and mercy on our life. You know that whenever we fail, whenever we find ourselves flat on our face, there may be somebody here this morning, I don't know. I'd like to stand here and be prophetic and just say, hey, there's two or three of you in here. And I'm sure there is. It wouldn't be very prophetic because we're, we're in a pretty good crowd this morning. And, I, and there's, there's a pretty good chance there's somebody in here that have messed it up royally. You may have come in here this morning thinking, hey, I don't, I, I, there's no hope for me. There's no hope for me. There's nothing I can do. I've, I've messed this thing up too far. I've gone too far. You may be here today and you're headed that direction. If something don't happen, maybe God sent me here to wake you up today and, and realize, hey, I'm going down a road. and I, If I'm not careful, I'm fixing to be so deep in this thing, I, there's no way for me to get out. But you know, God's able. You know, the, the, the most awesome thing about this is, as I look, you know, how many of you ever read? You get off in there in the Bible and uh, we we the church is doing a Bible reading plan, and, and you go through different times and, you know, different parts of Scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and they got into them begats. You ever do that? It's the old King James, the begat. You know, he begat her and she begat her. It's a genealogy thing and a long list of pedigrees. And, and you know what I usually do? I go, uh-huh, yeah, all right, I'm done. I read through that chapter fast. I don't really care. You know, you know, I don't know who cares about all that. I don't care what, who, who's who and all that. And, uh, I, well, you know, we raise horses, and, and my daughter raises registered quarter horses, and, 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 and I'm terrible with even those kind of pedigrees. I, you know, I, I carry, we have, uh, people ask me all the time, how's that horse bred? Well, I have to get my phone out and pull the papers up so I can see, because I don't care. I, I mean, I, I do care, but I'm not very good at it. I'm not very good at getting that stuff up. So when I get to those parts of the Bible, I think, I just kind of skip, skip, skip through it. Kind of skim it, I guess you would say. But one day, you know, I got to thinking about this. I got to reading and uh, looking over, it was in David or Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. It's talking about the genealogy of Jesus. Now, I just want to read it to you right quick. But, and this may not even jump out to you, but I'm going to explain to you why I'm going to read it to you in just a minute. Verse 1 says, the, this is Matthew chapter 1. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah the, by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nishan, Nishan the father of Solomon, or Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed, Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of, U- the wife of Uriah. And I want to think about, I got thinking about something as I was reading through that. There's, I don't know, umpteen guys mentioned, umpteen men mentioned in this passage of Scripture. But for some reason they mentioned four women, four mothers. And I got thinking about that, and I got to looking back. And I got thinking, who is the women that it mentions? First off, it mentions Tamar, which was, was the, the daughter-in-law of, of Abraham. She posed as a prostitute. Why? To deceive her father-in-law. The second one was Rahab. She was a prostitute. The third was Ruth. She was a foreigner. A foreigner, and the third, and the fourth was Bathsheba. She was stolen. And I got to thinking about that. And you know, I thought, God, why in the world would these specific four? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day. He said, because I want to show you. I can take a mess and turn it into something that can be used. I can take a mess and turn it around into something. You see, each one of those four women were flawed. Each one of them had a problem. You know, David had eight wives. And I don't know how many concubines, I, but that, that we don't even count that. But he had eight wives. God could have put the lineage of Jesus Christ out of any of those eight and probably been better off. Probably would have been a better pick socially or, or culturally. Probably would have been a better pick for the, the, the grandmother, great-grandmother, however many great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus Christ. But no, he took the one David made the mistake with. Why was that? Because he wants to show you today. No matter how bad you mess it up, no matter how bad you fail, no matter how far down you go, God can still turn your situation around. You know, I'm not going to say that he can, he can, he can, He's going to re- completely restore you back to what you were doing, but He can use you for something even greater. You know, it goes on there. He did the, the wife that the the son that was born from that one relationship. Did it was it him? No, he died. And you can look back and say, well, you know, I have people tell me all the time, well, God, uh, that was God's will because I brought a testimony out. No, it wasn't God's will. But God can take something and make it up. You know, see, we look at this passage of Scripture here as it goes on, and it says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, 27, it says, when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased God. I mean, he failed. But God was able to take that failure and bore and bear the Son of God through that situation. He was able to take it and make it happen. You know, as we look back at this today, we can understand and know. You know, I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you're going through. And I don't care what's happening right now. I don't care how bad you have failed. God's got a plan. I was blessed this week. There's a young man that's in the rodeo circle. I'm, I'm the chaplain for the Arkansas High School Rodeo. I'm not going to say his name because I didn't ask him if I could. But he's been through some tough times over the past couple of years. Messed some things up royally. And I've been praying for him. My wife and I, God has laid him on our heart and we've been praying for him. And Sunday after Sunday morning, man, God showed up in our service. In a rodeo arena, that's crazy. In Magnolia, Arkansas, man, the Holy Spirit fell. Lives were being touched. 
We had a testimony from one of our young men, one of our young men about how God had changed his life and God had radically changed him. This kid talked to me after church and he said, hey, do you, do you care if people come by your house and talk to you? I said, no, man, I'd love it. So he said, I'm going to come by this week. Thursday afternoon he came by my house and he sat there with me and we visited and he talked about it. And he said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, I, you know, I, I want to change my life. He said, he said this, this young man, and give his testimony, which was his best friend, and he said, you know, I've seen a change in his life, and I want that. And so we begin to talk, and we begin to carry on, and I said, man, it, you know, it, it's crazy what God can do in your life. And, and he told me, and it, it, just, it almost broke my heart because the way he said it. He said, is it wrong for me to be excited about the future? I said, no, buddy, I'm more excited than you are. I'm excited to see what God's going to do in your life, what kind of change he's fixing to make and the things that's about to happen. And just like you here today, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. But I'm excited to see what's fixing to happen. I'm excited because of the testimonies that's going to come, the things that's going to happen because you're, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're going to allow God to use you. You know, just as David, how, how do we do that? Just as David, he owned it. He said, God, I failed. I sinned against you. But he went on and he said, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. And if you're here today and you're, and you're hurting, and I, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's somebody. God wouldn't lay this message on my heart if there wasn't. There's somebody that's going down the wrong path. And you're broken. That's all that he's asking. He just wants a broken spirit. He wants a, he wants a heart to come to him and say, God, here I am. Here I am. I've messed it up. It isn't nobody else's fault. It isn't nothing somebody else has done. Yeah, I know there's some things that can happen to you that, and, and, and it causes us to go down rounds, but still, it's, it's ours to own. So whatever you're dealing with today, I want to challenge you. If a piano player would come back, I told you I wouldn't be very long. But I believe God wants to do some things in this place today. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you've come into this place, God's got healing for you. God's got restoration for you. He's got strength for you today. If you'll just allow, would you bow with me this morning? <clears throat> Father, as we come to this time of the service, Lord, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's hurting people in this room. God, there's two or three hundred people here this morning, and just statistics alone will show us that, that there's somebody in this place that's hurting. But God, your Holy Spirit laid this message on my heart so passionately. God, I believe that there's somebody here that's in the bottom of the pit. God, there's somebody in this place that doesn't know where to turn. They come, maybe perhaps come into this house this morning just looking for answers. This is a last ditch effort, God, to come through. God, would your Holy Spirit be real this morning? Would you be real in hearts and lives today? Would you speak so intently, so loud?
to each one that's hurting today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, don't nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass nobody in this place. If you're here in this place, and I'm talking right to you, you're dealing with something today. You're going down a road you know ain't good. And you need some help. I'm not going to call you out. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing in the world. But I do want to pray for you. If that's you, would you slip up your hand and say, that's me. Pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You know, God sees that. He sees your heart. He knows where you're at. He knows right where you are. And He wants to speak to you. He wants to move on you. I'm going to pray again. And if you want to come find a place to pray, you need somebody to pray with you, we'll pause for a moment and give you an opportunity. We'd love to pray with you. There's, there's men and women here that would just be tickled to death to stand in the gap with you. But I pray God reaches you right where you're at. That He ministers to you and you leave this place different. When you walk out of this room today, I pray there's thousands of pounds lifted off your chest. And you leave here in the joy of the Lord. Father God, we come before you today. Lord, there's been four or five hands go up in this room. God, you see each person, you see each individual, and you know what they're facing. God, you know what they're dealing with. We don't even have to make it public. We don't have to stand up and talk about it. God, you know. You know exactly what they're going through. You know exactly where they're coming from. You know exactly the hole that they've dug themselves, or, or something's happened to them, God, and they found themselves in a place they can't even believe they're there. But God, you're right there with them. Father, as they've raised their hand today, Lord, just acknowledging that they need help from you, God, I pray your Holy Spirit be real. Father, wrap your arms around them right now. Give them the strength to move forward from this day on. God, to serve you, to walk in your steps, to follow you step by step, God. Lord, would you just speak volumes in their life right now? Would you minister in Jesus' name? Amen. If you're here this morning, you need somebody, you just want somebody to pray with. These altars are going to be open for a few minutes. I'm not going to drag your time out. I'm not going to stand up here and jump up and down and beg, but I just want to give you the opportunity. If that's you. I'm going to turn it over to Double D and let him dismiss us this morning. Wow. We just got to own it. We just got to own it. Could somebody, uh, Scott, would you go next door and let them know that we're done? And uh, so they can prepare over there. But please, let's don't leave. We need prayer. We want to pray with you guys. A lot of us have been in those same places, and we know. 
It's hard. You can't do it alone. So if it's one of you, raise your hand and you would love for somebody to pray. Please take this time. If we can pray with you about anything, please come on up and let us partner with you and fill that gap. Can we get some people over here? Thank you. We're not going to be in a rush. But I will just say this. We're just going to silently dismiss when you think it's time for you to go or just spend some time just meditating on this word and where you're at. Because Pastor Corey was right. God knows where we're at. And we don't need to just to be in a rush. One of my greatest times of the day is just spending time in the presence of God. So enjoy the presence. Just relax. Give the kids, Pastor Crystal, time next door to do what she's got to do to minister to your kids because she does a fabulous job. So we love you guys. Hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And we will uh, see you next Sunday. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.